Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So if you weren't here last week or you're watching online, you didn't catch it, I want you to go back and hear Pastor Tracy's message. It's a great message about dreaming again. Go back and hear what Pastor Trey said because he said in there, he gave a word and he said, man, he has a word for our church. And I didn't talk to him about what I'm sharing today, but, uh, and it was a word called a new word for our church, a new season or a new start. There's something new coming for our church. And then he said something new for you. And I want you to hear that very carefully that in your life today, I'm talking about having a new start with Job. And I'm just going to share a couple of things. There's no way I could get through Job. There's so many things I want to share with you, but there's no way... I can give adequate time to the book of Job. But I just want to tell you this about him as we get started. And think about Job and how he had to start over with something new. His word was something new for this church, something for you. I was telling our team, I'm going to preach on something called fresh air, a reset, a start over. How many guys would like, man, after the last year? I mean, this is, you understand, this is about one year coming up after 2020, officially. I know we started 2021, but in the Jewish calendar of things, if you look at it, it's funny. This is Passover week. This is the culmination of the next year right now. So from a biblical standpoint, if you look at it, actually, this is the month where you started over. Now, y'all weren't near as excited about that as I thought you would be. My gosh, I don't know about you, but is there anybody else besides me would like a fresh start? I, this whole year to me is like a wash. I'm, I thought for sure 2021 would be awesome. You know, just a, be great. And it's like 2020 wants to keep hanging on like a bad toothache, man. You got to get rid of that thing. So, but this is the new year. Now, I know in, in Jewish culture, you see Rosh Hashanah and all those kinds of things. It, that is the cultural new year in around September, October, whatever. But this is Passover. It's Nisan, the month of Nisan, where you start over. The people of Israel remember when they were brought out of Egypt and they celebrated this time like we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, that they were brought out and God delivered them. And when you hear the term new, I need to start something new. Here's what it indicates to me. Now, tell me if this isn't true with you. If you say, I want to get a new car, it indicates that you probably already have an old one. Because when you already have something, you say, I need to go get a new pair of shoes. I need to get a new shirt. I need to get a new cat. What? Not a cat, a cap. I wouldn't dare get a new cat. My gosh. It's like Erin Osner and the Osner showed up and all of a sudden, she's a cat lover. I felt that. I love them, but I don't do cats. I said that. But if you're going to get something for the first time, when I was looking for a car for my first car, I didn't say I'm going to get a new car. I said I'm going to look at a car. When you say I want to get something new and fresh, it means it's not just starting over the way we think. Well, I need a new car because my old one's bad. I need a new roof because I've had some damage. I need a new whatever because of this. That's one way of looking at it. But with God, he doesn't start over and say, well, you know, I know you have this Bible, and let's just tape it up and fix it up, and it'll be okay. It will kind of get. When he says, I'm going to start something new with you, he literally means something brand new. He's not trying to fix something old. As a Christian, the problem with our Christianity a lot of times is we're still trying to figure out how to fix us in the way that we're living and the way we're trying to be a good person or whatever else we're trying to figure out. And so we think God 
because of that, we think that God is somehow working with this old person that I am, still trying to get my temper under control, still trying to stop saying the beep, that word, still trying to, you know, be nicer to my spouse, be better to my kids, not leave the cat outside at night when it freezes, whatever it is you got going on, but whatever we're trying to do, but that's not the way God looks at you. He's not trying to fix you from where you were. He starts something brand new. The funny thing about that is, even in Isaiah 65, he says this, pay close attention now because I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth. All the earlier troubles, the chaos, the pain are things of the past to be forgotten. My goodness, if that ought to make you happy right there. Forget about the old things. And listen, when God visits, he doesn't start. That's why there's seasons. He doesn't take winter and say, okay, we're going to make the best we can do with winter. Although it was cold this morning. We're going to make the best we got of winter and y'all try to plant some corn in the middle of January. Now, there's some things you can plant, but most of the crops get planted around once spring is over, that first frost is over in our region, you start planting in a couple of weeks. Because God's not saying plant in the winter. He says, here's a new season for you. To start fresh. He doesn't give you the circumstances of the old and expects you to live a new life. Listen, man, he gives you a brand new season to plant a fresh and a new so that it can grow and populate. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? You're not, God is not taking the old person that you were and said, now get your little act together. Now, when he said he gave you Jesus, he said, behold, I make all things new. The Bible, Paul says it like this. Behold, if any man or woman is in Christ, he is a, watch this, kind of a used person. That's not what the Bible says. He says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. But what do we do? We're still trying to figure out how to live new for Christ in our old ways. Old habits, old thought process, old thinking. And trying to figure out why we don't enjoy a relationship with God. And God says, listen, it's because you're trying to live with me out of a dead self. You might not realize this, but if you're a Christian here, if you're watching online right now and you are a believer, I hate to tell you this, it may sound morbid, but that old person is dead. And you need to start acting like it. Have a funeral service if need be. Put that sucker in the ground. You are a new creation in Christ. And that's when when things don't work out the way you think that they should or when you don't feel like you're living up to the measure or whatever it is you think that should be that you read in your Bible. That doesn't mean that, well, man, I'm just miserable. I'm no good. Look at how I failed. you got to stop living like that and say, you know what? No, that's just the old dead me trying to come up out of the grave and trying to make some stuff. That's like zombie, walking dead stuff. You know, zombies are different now than they was when I was a kid. They were slow when I was a kid. Now they're fast. Crazy zombies now. But that's no different than Christians. We're trying to live out of an old self. And God says, listen, you're not a zombie. You're not the walking dead. You're the walking life. You've been given life through Christ and all the old things have been passed away. Behold, you're a new creation. That means you live out of the new life, not out of the old life. And I could tell you, when you look at Job, if you think that as a Christian, or you've been told this by someone, that you know what? If you get saved, if you follow Christ, everything's just going to be great. That's a flat out lie. It's not going to be just great. Is it going to be better because of salvation in Christ? Yeah. Are you going to be happier? Yes. Are you going to be filled with joy? Yeah. But is it just going to make it better as far as nothing's going to go wrong in your little life anymore? Everything's like angels are going to pick you up and bring you to church. You didn't even have to get out of bed. It's like, whoo, I 
I just feel Jesus. I got dressed and come to church. That doesn't happen. You go through things just like everyone else does. And Job teaches us this. Here's a guy who went through some really difficult things. And the problem with Job is when we read it as Christians, we get some mixed up theology. And we think because this happened to Job and this weird conversation with the devil and God and whatever else, that somehow maybe we're fitting in that category too. So when bad things happen to us, we think, well, maybe the devil was having a conversation with God and God said, hey, you know what, I'm just going to let this happen. And that's not accurate. If I told you all the things that happened to me the last couple of years, you could probably tell me all the things that happened to you and we could compare and contrast and I may not understand what you're going through. All of us in here, out here today, you're watching online, right? we've all been through some different things. We've all had struggles this year. You could tell me all about what yours was. I can tell you what mine was. Maybe it was a business deal that went bad. Some kind of betrayal. Somebody did you wrong. Business deal, they betrayed you. A spouse betrayed you, whatever else. A person, a friend. Corporate issue. Might be a sickness or a disease. But all of us have something that comes at us at times that we... We didn't expect it to happen to us. We didn't ask for it to happen to us. But it visited our home nonetheless. Sometimes you get visited with things that you didn't even ask for. I mean, you know, when I took over the church, I was expecting all kinds of different things. Then the 08 financial crisis happened. Worst year ever to take over a church. Let me just tell you right now, that's the worst year to take over a church. It was awful. I didn't ask for that. You know, I didn't ask for having to come alongside and take care of a family member that was never there for me, but yet that's what's in my lap. Sometimes things just come at you that you didn't prepare for, you didn't ask for, but guess what? Here it is. Now what are you going to do with it? Because all of us, we're not immune to the things that happen. The Bible says the sun, it shines and the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. And that's a difficult thing for us to settle as a believer. Because we'd like to think that the sun just shined right down here on Cornerstone Church Day because we're good people. Come on, don't don't raise your hand, but you know you thought, well, I was praying for the weather and I showed up and look what God did. Like, you're feeling pretty good about yourself, right? Because you you prayed for good. I was praying for that parking spot. You roll up in Walmart and, whoa, look at that one. It's the front one. Oh, God listens to me. And I'm going to tell you right now, I love you. God bless you. You're sweet and everything else. But if you live your life, and that's all that I hear, is like you're the kind of Christian that everything just works for you. Nothing ever happens. Here's everything's just great. I mean, the parking lot's parked for you. Your windshield wipers never break. Your car oil changes always work out just right. I mean, everything just works. You never have a problem. I would have to ask you a real question right now. Man, what Christ are you serving? Because the one that I serve, the devil took notice on it, and I've had some stuff happen. I mean that. I don't mean it to pay. I'm just saying for real. And Job got picked on. Not because he's such a, just a great guy. And God didn't do it. But the reality is, Satan said, I can't touch him because you've blessed him. I'll tell you a funny thing is about this. When you're starting over with God, it's very interesting. And I want to ask you this question. What's easier, to worship when everything's great or when you're suffering? Now, before you answer that question, I think, well, it's, it's easier to worship when everything's going great. That, that might be true. But when do you really seek the Lord the most? It's when you're going through some serious stuff that you can't fix on your own. You can't get a friend to help you. 
A counselor can't fix it for you. A pastor can't help you with it. Your Christian brothers and sisters can't help you for it. You're just stuck and you're dependent on God. And worship is different when you're suffering than when everything's going great. Job, when everything's going great, he made sacrifices for his family every single day. He's a good man. He was a really a good, good guy. I don't know what his kids were doing. They never came to church with him, though. If you read the story, he's hanging out on the brother's house, having a party every single day. Job felt so bad about it, he was making sacrifices for his kids every single day. And then Job gets around some friends. And, you know, I don't know if you got these kind of friends. If you do, you might need a new group of friends. But Job had some people that hung out with him. And even his wife was a bit interesting there for a while. When he was going through his worst troubles, his wife said to him, watch this. Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. It seemed like all she cared about was life insurance or something, man. She's like, you know, Job, you just get on out of here. I'm going to collect and uh, Aflac and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to get a new car. Everything's going to be great. Pastor Joe, talking about new stuff. I'm going to be rolling in some new stuff because you're a miserable mess. It got so bad that Job actually said in Job 19, he said, my breath is even offensive to my wife. I'm rejecting. I mean, it's got to be bad when your life's already down and your wife looks says, you know what? It, you know, it's just terrible. And you need a tic-tac. <laughs> I mean, it's a bad day. His small group, hopefully your small group's not like this, but three out of the four in this small group were terrible friends. His first friend said this, hey man, do innocent people get hurt? Do they die? Have the upright been destroyed? My experience shows me, don't you love Christians to tell you about their experience? Oh my goodness gracious. My experience shows me that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. In other words, Job, the reason you got problems is because you must be doing some bad stuff. And it's true that there's consequences. I mean, if you run the stop sign out here, if you hadn't done it, <laughs> there's always a friend out there. And we got officers that work here for us and, and they're helping us all use security and stuff. But if you run that stop sign, no matter how much they love you, no matter how much you see them here, if you run that stop sign out here at the end of the street, one day you're going to get a ticket. And you can say, well, it's just not right. I, I mean, no, you ran the stop. There are consequences. But the last thing you need is a friend telling you, well, you shouldn't have run the stop sign. I know I shouldn't have ran the stop sign. Could you just be my friend right now? This guy here, he's not one of those good Christians that knows about sowing and reaping. The next one said, this was Bildad. He said, hey, man, your, ch- your kids must have sinned against God, so their punishment was well-deserved. Well, that's just real uplifting. Thank you very much, brother. And the best one of all was his third friend who said, listen, God is no doubt punishing you far less than you deserve. Well, thank us a lot, man. Aren't you uplifting? He had one guy out of the four that encouraged him and said some good things to him. But Job, in all of his issues, said something amazing. Though he struggled, though he had issues, the apostle Paul struggled. I'm telling you, as a Christian, I'm not talking about living in defeat. I'm talking about living in victory. I'm not talking about walking in, in, in just complete chaos all the time. I'm not talking about that. But I am saying you're going to go through some things in this life. And listen to what Job said. I will, if you're online, you can see this, but you can watch it later. But this is in Job 19. He says, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And watch this. Now this is Job. He doesn't know anything about Jesus. But watch what he says. And he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. And then Job says, I am overwhelmed 
at the thought. I know it's been a rough season. I get it. And I can tell you my struggles and our pain, and it's been a rough one. It's been, we've, we've been through it. My family has been, we have had some stuff. It's been tough. But then if I come alongside one of my brothers and sisters and I heard your story, yours has probably been just as tough. Probably different. Maybe you're not dealing with water. Maybe you're not dealing with issues like that. Maybe you've had a diagnosis that wasn't what you were expecting. Maybe your business because of this last year has really taken a hit. Maybe you set up something that you thought was going to work a certain way and it's not. Maybe that relationship that you thought was always going to be there is is dissolved. But I want to tell you right now, Job, in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his loss, said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I will one day see him with my own eyes. And I'm overwhelmed at the thought of that. I'm not talking about walking in defeat. I'm not talking about, but listen, the ultimate victory is not whether or not you get a raise or a bonus or a promotion here on this earth. The ultimate victory is not whether or not you can get, you know, your allergies healed. The ultimate victory isn't whether or not you can get through and not have COVID. The ultimate goal is when you see Jesus. It's not here. This life is short, man. If anything this last year taught us is this time is short. Make the most of what you've been given. And understand that our Redeemer lives. He's not a dead God. He may not be parting seas like he did in the Old Testament. Maybe he's not doing certain things like he did in the Old Testament. I don't think that he's not doing stuff. If this year's done one thing, the last year's done anything for us as a nation, it has caused us to either come back to God strong or people just said, I never mind, I'm running away. But for people who follow the Lord, He's doing something. He's doing something. What is a redeemer? It's somebody who buys back stuff. We're pretty more common with this. He's an avenger. That's what it says. He comes to fix stuff that's going wrong. And I don't know how that's going to work for you. I really don't. I thought that our situation would have been fixed and resolved. Everyone told us, basically, Pastor Jody, there's no possible way this can happen again to you because basically you're outside of the window of time, 30 years, and you'll be just fine. Well, they was wrong. It didn't take three years. And here we are again in the same situation. And maybe you thought this was going to be this way, and it's not the way that you thought. I just want you to hear these words again. Job, in the midst of his suffering, said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I am overwhelmed at the thought of seeing him. Here's the last thought I'll leave with you. I believe in victory as as much as any other guy you've ever come across. It's very very difficult for me to not be optimistic. Matter of fact, we did a little test with my wife and I, some other pastors and their wives, personality stuff and some strength stuff, whatever else. And one of the things on my chart is optimistic. And if I get stressed out, I get more optimistic. We're going to make it. If we don't make it, I'm going to push through, baby, like a book. We're going to make this thing happen. And that's good on one hand, but it can be not so good on another. You know? Like if the church was on fire over there and I got a bucket of water. <laughs> 
And I'm telling you, Dad, we're going to do it. Maybe not with one bucket. Leave with this thought. If I go through something, it's not a sign of God's absence in my life. Please hear me. If I go through pain, if I go through struggles, if I go through issues, because all of us do, we've got to stop acting like it's Christian. Somehow I did something wrong and I failed and it's my fault and it's my situation. And somehow maybe I didn't pray enough. Maybe I didn't read my Bible enough. Maybe I wasn't good enough. And that's why this has befallen me. That's no worse than Job's three bad small group friends. Just curse God and die. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. Because if you believe it's your fault, you know what you do? You back up and you no longer pray. You won't seek God. You won't ask for help. Because you'll think somehow I brought this on my family. Can I tell you and release that bondage from you this morning? You didn't cause anything to happen to your family that didn't already start with Adam's fall. We're all messed up and jacked up and got issues in our life. And there's not a person on this planet that doesn't need the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. But as long as you believe that it's my fault... You'll walk around thinking, I've got to fix all this stuff. But I'm telling you, my Redeemer lives. He's not a dead God. And instead of asking, where is God in this situation? Why didn't He keep our house from getting flooded? Why didn't He fix this disease? Why didn't He heal this? Why didn't He fix this? And why didn't He fix my business? And why is this going wrong? Instead of asking, where is God? Why don't we start asking this? Is God enough? I mean, is he enough to get me through this storm? Is he enough or is he not? Because he's enough, if he's enough in my job and my bonuses and whatever I get financially, if he's enough in that, then he's got to be enough in the storms. If he's enough in the good times, then he's got to be enough in the bad times. If he's not good enough in the bad times for us, then we got a problem with our faith and our Christianity. The real test is when we stop blaming God for what we don't have. And I didn't say it was easy. It is difficult. I struggle with it sometimes. But we have to stop blaming God for what we don't have. And watch this. Start trusting Him with what we are going through. And it is not your fault. Yes, there's consequences for things. I understand that. But we have got to get over this. Was I good enough and not good enough? And maybe that's why you've got to trust that all things have become new. And you're living out the new life. The resurrection power of Christ. And not in the old man. In the new man, there is forgiveness of sin. So you can't make that excuse anymore. Well, maybe I sin. No, because there's forgiveness of sin. In the new man, you say, well, man, it's my old family's traits. It's just, they had tempers, I got tempers, they had alcoholism, I got alcoholism, whatever. It's just been in our family. So no, 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 no. The iniquities have been broken off of your family. If you're in Christ, there's no more iniquity tangled up in you, man. You're living out of the new man. Don't go digging up that dead thing. He stinks. She stinks. They need Tic Tacs. Put them back in the ground. Cover them up. Leave them there. But to live out of the new man, it's different. So this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And I want you to hear this, this, this one last verse of Scripture out of Hebrews. Hebrews 13.5 says in the message, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. You can take that however you want. Be relaxed though. Look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, just relax. He's closing. Relax. He's about to wrap up. Relax. It's going to be all right. Since God has assured us, I'll never let you down. I'll never walk off and leave you. 
And I don't know what that looks like for you. And I didn't say it was easy and I'm not making light of what we've all been through or going through right now. But he's not going to leave you. I know that. He's never left the righteous. He's never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. He's never going to leave you. He's with you. Not just in the good, but also in the difficult seasons of life. He's with you. He's with you. I want you to turn to the person next to you right now. Maybe the person you didn't pick the last time. Maybe this is your second choice. I don't know. But look at him right now and say, he's with you. Come on, tell him right now. It's okay. Listen, y'all must be all right with that being out. Look at him right now. Tell him. He's with you. Tell him again. He's with you. Now look at the other person beside you that maybe didn't get anyone. Tell him. You look at them straight now. If somebody didn't tell you, you look at them right now and say, he's with you. Do you hear me right now? He's with you. Go ahead. Good. Good. I'm going to pray for you right now. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads just for a moment. Those of you watching online at home or maybe in your car or whatever, I want you to just receive this as I pray over you right now. Some of you desperately need to hear this. He's with you. I could probably say that 20 more times for you. You need to hear he's with you. He didn't leave you. You're not alone. He didn't leave you. He's with you. Just let that sink in a moment before I pray for you. He is with you. He's more real than the person sitting beside you. You're not alone. You might be single. Guess what? It don't matter. He's with you. Just because you're married doesn't mean you're not lonely. There's married people lonely all the time. Believe me. I know, man. I talk to They tell me. I'm, I'm lonely. And they're married. Just because you have somebody in the house doesn't mean you're not lonely. People get lonely without God. But He's with you. Just right there where you are. Close your eyes. At home, close your eyes. In the name of Jesus, Father, I come to you today. Lord, I pray that this would resonate in the hearts of everybody here. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would hear this word, that you've never left us and you've never forsaken us. And God, we go through things we don't understand why. I know you didn't cause it. I know you're not the author of it. It's very clear from Job that, Lord, you didn't cause any of that stuff. It was the devil that did these things. And maybe it's circumstances that happen to other people. It may not even be the enemy. It just may be a rough year. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would help us all just breathe in again some fresh air. That we would understand that we are a new creation in Christ, that we need to live out of the new person. Not what was in our past. Trust you in the here and now, not in what we had before. Not just trust you in the good times, but also trust you in the difficult times. So, Lord, I pray right now, would you help us all? Help us all to receive this word that you are with us in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those who are watching online right now that maybe they don't know you. Maybe there's some out here in this lawn right now in this field that they don't know you. They're here. They're listening to the sound of my voice. Maybe they're in the parking lot. They don't know you. They have never come to know you, Jesus. And this world has sold a bill of goods that said, this is what you need. This is what you got to have. This is what it is. But even though you accumulate all these different things in life without Christ, there is still a void and an emptiness. And if that is you right now, while all eyes are closed, no one's looking around, I want to pray for you. If you're here, you say, hey, I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. Maybe you're watching online right now. You never accepted Christ. You're in the parking lot and you hear my voice. You need to accept Jesus 
I'm not going to Bible bash you. I'm not going to condemn you. Listen, everybody out here and everybody watching, we have all got issues. We're all messed up people. We all need a Savior. But I will tell you this. The Bible says this. If you do not know Christ, you're under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, you need a Savior. So with your eyes closed, I want to pray for you. You're here. You're watching online. You say, Pastor, how do I give my heart to Jesus? You just repeat this prayer. You pray with me right now. But if specifically, if right now the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, this is your prayer. And the whole church is going to pray with you right now. Just pray this with me. Say, Dear Jesus. Come on, church, pray with them. Say, Dear Jesus, I give you my life and I give you my heart. I ask you, Lord, to save me. I accept you as my Savior. Lord, I ask you to forgive my sin, to make me a new person. And Lord, I'm going to live for you, but I will make mistakes. And that doesn't change this relationship with you. I am a saved person. I am born again, Christian, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you, church. Come on, give me a hand, would you? Let them know it. You pray that prayer online. We're so proud of you right now. So I want to help you get started walking with God. And what a beautiful day for this to begin that process. If you have your smartphone, here's what you do. Simply go to connect.cornerstonerome.com. And there's a little simple thing right there to help you get started walking with God. If you're watching online, there's some forms right there. Some people pray with you right now. Pastors are online that will pray with you right now where you are. Connect.cornerstonerome.com. We'll help you get started walking with Christ. Hey, listen, I don't know if you're going to find some eggs or doing what you're going to do right after this. I don't know if you're going to eat mama's like casserole or if you can't go to mama's house. I don't know what you're going to do right now. I don't know what your traditions are. But before you leave today, I want to just assure you this, that the Lord is with you. You need to know that. He's with you. He's with with your kids. He's with your family. That you're not alone. So before you go, let me speak this blessing over you right now, okay? Would you all stand with me right now? Before we leave today, we speak this over our church every single week. Those of you watching online, I'm going to declare this over your life. It's out of Numbers chapter 6, and I know I'm not an Old Testament priest or whatever, but the Bible's very clear. It says when Aaron and his sons, the priesthood, when they declare this, the Lord says, I myself will bless you. That's what the Bible says. So I'm just a spokesperson right now declaring what God said to declare. But just receive this right now before we go. Numbers chapter 6 says this, May the Lord bless you. And protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. That is our prayer for you for this new year, this new season, as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. May God bless you guys so much, and we'll see you guys next week. God bless you. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.